passing late fitness tests to take our places in the lineup. It's the Rugby League Cemetery. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery, delayed but very much coronavirus-free, ladies and gentlemen. This is a COVID-safe podcast you're listening to right now, and it's very good to have you with us uh, about about three or four days behind schedule. Uh, Gazzy, I know you've been battling illness, as have I. Uh, I know I'd like to give a shout-out to the to the team physio, uh, Georgia, for bringing the, uh, bringing the orange juice and the chockey. Gaz, anyone you'd like to bring a, a shout-out to for getting you over the line past the fitness test today? Oh, just to the hyperbaric chamber. I've spent uh, being in a grand final week and in a particularly, obviously, a Pat Richards grand final week. I have uh, obviously spent the last few days in the chamber giving myself every chance to prepare for this game. And uh, thankfully, I am on deck and ready. I know you're not feeling too well. So, you know, if I need to sort of step up Luke Keery style and, and run things while you sort of stand out Kronk style with one arm, not really doing anything, then we, we can certainly make that happen. I mean, it'll, the, the pot will be very much the poorer for it, but uh, ready to be called upon. Let me tell you, Gazzy, there's been a few times over the last couple of days uh, where a broke, I would have traded this in for a broken scapula. But uh, yeah, the hyperbaric chamber would have been good. Uh, we are is. Yeah, we are covering today the 2005 Grand Final, and poor, you know, poor old Tigers fans—they suffered a lot from us over the last, uh, over these 20 odd weeks that we've been doing this. Of course, we covered the 89 Grand Final, we covered the 2010 semi-final against the Roosters, we covered their desperate loss in the snow game a week or two ago. Today, ladies and gentlemen, Tigers fans, we make amends. We're going back to 2005 and doing the West Tigers 30, North Queensland 16 in front of 82,453 at the Olympic Stadium in Homebush. Gazzy, uh, this is a wonderful game, but it is a very unusual grand final. It's totally strange, isn't it? The the teams seem all wrong from what we're used to. The style of play seems all wrong. This is a, The game's just played at this frenetic ball spreading from the very start of the game. Um the only one you can think of was Newcastle and Parramatta a bit, but even Newcastle were quite controlled at the start of that, running over them in the forwards. Parramatta threw it around a bit, but this game is just two teams just frenetically from the first set, zinging it around the field. They're two teams that really aren't supposed to be there ever. Yeah, <laughs> I know the Cowboys sort of come to have a very good run a decade later, but at this point, then neither of these teams are really supposed to be playing grand finals. No one's supposed to play grand finals like these two teams are playing them, moving the ball all over the paddock, making like a series of errors and, and a series of line breaks and attacking play. You're not really supposed to win them by this score lines. Everything about it is just strange. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, it, it's... It's totally off key with every grand final, with every other grand final I've ever watched. O one is probably the best example. Uh, a couple of stats. One of them that you brought up with me off air that in two thousand and five, all four the, the previous four premiers, Newcastle, the Roosters, Penrith, and Canterbury, all missed the finals, which is bizarre. Uh, and this is one of two years. And this is my favourite stat because I thought it up on the bus once coming home from a semi final. 
this is one of only two years since 1991 in which one of the Roosters, Canterbury, Brisbane, Manly or Melbourne haven't been in the grand final. Go back through them. You can check, you can fact check this if you like, if, if the ABC are listening to this. Uh, this is one of only two times in the last, what, this would be what, 28 years uh, that one of those five sides hasn't been in it. Uh, so it's in many in, in a lot of ways this is a real this is real fresh air this game. Um, I, I might you made the point about the teams. I might just run you through the teams if you'll allow it, uh, because I think it bears this out a little bit. There are some names here that you just wouldn't expect to hear in a grand final. You might expect to hear a couple of them. Every team's got a few kind of spare parts players that get that that get them there, particularly in the salary cap era. But I think both teams have an inordinate number of them. Uh, the Tigers side is as follows. Fullback Brett Hodgson, uh, 308 points in the year 2005. Thanks very much. The wings, Daniel Fitzhenry and Pat Richards. The centres, Shane Elford and Paul Fatawira. The halves, Benji Marshall and Scott Prince. The front row, Anthony LaFranchi and John Scandalis. And the hooker, Robbie Farah. The second row, Ben Galea and Mark O'Neill. And the lock, Dean Hallitow. The bench, Liam Fulton, Chris Hyington, Bryce Gibbs and Todd Payton. Coached, of course, by the great Tim Shifty Sheens. Uh, the North Queensland side, fullback Matty Bowen. Top try scorer in 2005 with 21 in 21 games. The wings, Ty Williams and Matt Singh. The centres, Josh Hannay and Paul Bowman. The halves, Justin Smith and Jonathan Thurston. The front row, Paul Rahihi and Shane Tronk. The hooker, Aaron Payne. The second row is Steve Bluey-Southern and Luke O'Donnell. The lock, Travis Norton. He's the captain. And the bench, Brett Furman, Rod Jensen, David Fayumu and Mitchell Sargent. It's a, it, it, they're funny grand final sides, aren't they? There were a lot of players in both these teams that I remember wonderfully fondly. And you don't usually get to watch guys like that on grand final day. No, that the Cowboys backline is the Cowboys sort of backline of, yeah, of our time. You know, like as I know, you know, they, they end up having a very good side quite a while later and winning a competition. But this was this is my Cowboys time side. Like oh, yeah. your Bowen and your Ty Williams and Matty Singh and um, you know, Hannay and Bowman in the centres. Of course, Bowman, you can't mention Paul Bowman without my favourite rugby league phrase, which is specialist defensive centre. Yes. Um, which he sort of does show in this game um, more from the point of view that perhaps attacking options were his strong shoot. I think that's <laughs> right. We'll, we'll get, get to, to that, that, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, he was a great player as well. And, you know, I, I've said before, and I will stand very firmly by my extreme fondness for Aaron Payne and yep. Paul Rahi. Um, this, this, is, this, is, this is the Cowboys side, and this is sort of the Tigers side. Oh, a couple of years later, sort of the Tigers side I really think of. But it's got all those guys. Most of those guys are there already with a couple to be added, aren't they? It's sort of, you know, when you think about what you remember fondly about the Tigers and the Cowboys, it's about this time. I think, in, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're, they're wonderful teams. And, and there are guys, like you say, Grand Final Day often, the, it, it's, it's very rarely a joyful experience. It's often very good and very kind of technically pleasing and high quality. But it's very rarely exciting like this. And this was, this mm. game, the, as you said before, the way they play, they zing the ball around. It's incredible. The other incredible thing about this, of course, is the history of the two teams before this game. The West Tigers joint venture... Um, and we talked about this last week uh, in the in the snow game that you know the Balmain and Wests had completely fallen apart in the nineties and, and had hadn't done much good. Uh, the the Tigers joint venture from the year two thousand tenth, twelfth, thirteenth, thirteenth, and ninth, and then come fourth in two thousand and five. It's their first trip to the semis as a joint venture. Uh, Thirty two points. Plus six hundred and seventy-six minus five hundred and seventy-five, which is quite good. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of thirty-two thirties. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get to that. 
uh, it's a very funny season they have. They they win three in a row from rounds uh, two to four. Then they lose four in a row from round six to nine. They were still 12th by round 16. Then they won eight in a row from round 16 to 24 and then lost in round 25 and 26 to go into the finals, finishing fourth. <laughs> Just a bizarre season. They conceded, having come fourth, get this, they came fourth in the NRL. They conceded more than 30 points eight times. Yeah, it's good that, uh, yeah, they wouldn't have lost all of those, though, I wouldn't have thought. If no, that's... On spec, but I bet you they didn't lose them all. <laughs> Your instincts are good. Uh, <laughs> they run to the finals. They played North Queensland in the first week of the semis and beat them 50-6 to six in the fourth mm. versus fifth McIntyre. Then they played Brisbane and beat them 34-6. to six. Remember the beautiful Benji Marshall intercept. He ran 90 metres to score. And then, uh, in a real classic, they beat St. George Lawara 20-12 to 12 in the preliminary final to set up this game. Their top try scorers in 2005, Pat Richards with 20, Paul the Fat Man Fatawira with 18, Benji and Brett Hodgson with 15. And as I say, Brett Hodgson, 308 points, 15 tries, 124 goals. The second person ever to score 300 points in a first grade season. Now for the Cowboys, oh, we did this a couple of weeks. When we did the, the 2005 qualifying final, uh, we, we talked a little bit about their history before their first run of the finals. I'm going to run you through it again, if you'll indulge me. Uh, from their from their inception in 1995, 20th, 17th, 10th, last in Super League, 16th, 16th, 14th, 13th, 11th, 11th, and then 7th in 2004. So both these sides come into this game with absolutely no history of being successful at this level. No, none at all. None at all. And that's the thing that I think makes this feel a lot different is that... Uh, not only do they both come in with no history of success, you sometimes get one side do this, but it becomes this odd situation of not knowing who to back for. Like, yeah. if the Tigers were playing the Roosters, everyone would have known who to go for. And if the Cowboys were playing the Roosters or the Bulldogs, everyone would have known who to go for. But you sort of just were like, Jesus, it's going to be really pleasing if one of either of these teams <laughs> yeah. in the grand final. And it's, you need, you know, you, you sort of always got to, there's always one of those five teams you mentioned and always someone nasty you know like that's come up through and got there to play them and you hope like you know what i mean you hope they they come through and win it and that's your thing and it's um yeah it, it, particularly and the funny thing is the year before was a little bit of an exception to that one as well where there actually was there, there'd been a run of you know the the, the roosters had beaten new zealand and lost to Penrith, but all of a sudden they got the Bulldogs and the biggest heavy mate match ever, the two best teams of that two or three year stretch. So you come off this grand, like genuine super, super eight grand final of two outstanding teams battling it out to say, we are the best team of sort of the last little while and you need, mm. you know, really decide that issue. And then all of a sudden you've got these teams who never do anything playing each other. It's just very, very different. You wait all day for the bus and then two come at once. Mm, well, that's uh, we, right. Well, we talked about in the the Cowboys Bulldogs episode from two thousand and four about how dominant mm. the Roosters and the Bulldogs were. It's inconceivable that they both missed the finals the following year because they were a mile ahead of everyone else. It's bizarre. Uh, the Cowboys in two thousand and five finished fifth, thirty two points, very similar record, plus six three nine, minus five hundred sixty three, same number of wins fourteen, same number of losses ten. Uh, a bizarre patchy season. They never they never won more than three in a row all year. And they never lost more than three in a row all year and finished fifth. So they just kept going two and two and one all, all season. Uh, they lost 50 to six to the Tigers, of course, in the first week of the semis. They beat Melbourne 24-16 in week two. And then 
they beat the Tim Smith Parramatta side who had finished miles ahead or had finished first on the table and who everybody thought were going to break their drought. They said the poor old Parramatta Sauce and George get knocked out the night before. They thought, no, we're on here. We'll have the Tigers. Couldn't get past the Cowboys. 29-0. North Queensland won. As I said, Matty Bowen, 21 tries. Ty Williams, 18. Matt Singh, 16. And uh, Rocket Rod Jensen with 11. Well, I was about to say, it's funny you mentioned, I was literally just as you, I was waiting for you to finish and I was going to say, invite you and give you the invitation to get the, the, your mention of Rocket Rod Jensen out of the way now and mention his links to Cessnock. Um, so please, yes. while we're on him, feel, feel free to. Oh, Rocket Rod's brother, Peter, was a wonderful second rower for Cessnock in the sort of, maybe about about this era, actually, around the time that, mm. uh, that of this match. And he was an absolute loose cannon who famously... And, and anyone who was there will remember this. I wasn't, unfortunately, but I've had it recounted to me by, by, by more than one person. He got they, the, New, the Newcastle rep team played against uh, Great Britain, the touring Great Britain side. It must have been maybe 2006. And Peter Jensen got sent off, either sent off or Sinbin for repeated... Sent off. Yes, yeah, like repeated brawling and high shots and stuff. And they were getting beat about 40 to 6. And he walked off the ground at Marathon Stadium and gave the big fist pump to the crowd on the way off. The most triumphant mm. send-off in rugby league history. Yeah, I was there. It was wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. Yeah, he really good. Yeah, they, they lost by about 40 or 50 points, but geez, he did some good fighting and some wonderful whooping on the beginning, which is what we live for here. Talking about Rocket Rod, the Cowboys bench, I just want to run you through it again. Brett Furman, Rod Jensen, David Fayumu, mm. and Mitchell Sargent. Mm. It's a bit odd. Forgive me, but there's a half and two hookers there, aren't there? Well, Rocket Rod, I don't know that he was really a hooker. He didn't play the play there for them at that time. He just sort of played in as a running forward or a centre or a, sometimes he went to dummy half. So he sort of played everywhere. Like I yeah. find it very difficult to tell you what his position was. He didn't play dummy half that year much. But he, he just, they just kind of, he, did. They were just, he, he just sort of existed as a player that could get on the field and do yeah. something. And, yeah. Fayumu was the same, wasn't he? They just used to come on and rove around mm. and make tackles and run the ball a bit mm. and get yeah. a dummy half occasionally. And yeah, they're funny. Mm. But nothing like, there's none of these two front rows and an edge on the bench. No. No, I suppose um, I don't know, Justin Smith could play in the forwards. I guess he might have moved to do a bit of forward work here and there when yeah, well, he plays when a lot Furman of went on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, you're right. It's very strange. Um, should we get? I've, I'll give you the top eight since the top. The previous four premiers missed it. Uh, Parramatta first, second St George of the Warra, third Brisbane, fourth the Tigers, fifth the Cowboys, sixth Melbourne, seventh Cronulla, and eighth Manly. Uh, it's kind of between two eras. This game. It's the the, the Canterbury Easts kind of era has tapered off, mm-hmm. and the Manly Melbourne kind of era is just about to get going. And this is yep. the little sweet spot in between the two of them. Um, Absolutely. Dalian medalist Jonathan Thurston by one point. Over whom, Gazzy? Over Andrew Johns, who missed about half the season. Yeah. I thought you'd... Um, I just, we we're not bitter re- about it. We're not bitter no. about it. Just pointing out that uh, it's, whilst it's impressive, Jonathan Thurston won the Dalian medal, it's uh, you know sort of impressive that someone came one point within him despite not playing in any of the games in the team that came last. Yeah, I just thought that, that we would ventilate that. We do have a rule on this mm. program to mention our Lord and Saviour at least once uh, every mm. week, and I'm yeah. glad to have got it out of the way early. Now, I'm sure it won't be the last, though. Should we get into the game? Um, I, 
Well, can I just hit you with a couple of things from the pre-game, if that's okay with means. you? I think it's very important. I think you've missed two key points to this game. Let's see if um, I had them written down. Go for it. Firstly, firstly, it fills me with absolute joy when I turned it on to get yes. this big sign saying, do it for Laurie Nichols. Yes. And I just, if we're not, I'm not letting that pass. I won't be getting into any game until uh, I put that on the record, that that was just filled me with, with a bundle of joy. Yeah. I can hold yeah. my notes up to the camera. That was the first thing I had written down. <laughs> good, good. Well, and Laurie, second, I shan't be passing. Go on. I think, I think Laurie died a week before the joint venture played its first game. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that he died the week of their first game as West Tigers. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm, I'm 99% confident he didn't see them. I can't be as specific as that, but yeah, um, yeah it, that's a, yeah, it's, sort of, uh, it's very symbolic, isn't it? It is, but, yeah. Um, I was watching yeah. today. You forget how him and the Tigers, how close they were. I was watching the fan today and Ciro is walking around the lap of honour after mm. his last game um, with Curtis Siren and, and Bailey Siren in his arms and stuff. And just alongside them, like it's him and his two sons and there's Laurie Nichols with an arm around just like in tears. Like, with, like yeah. him and his yeah. two kids and Laurie Nichols. Like, that's the, that's the how much this guy, that's yeah. The, like, that's, that's the family yeah. unit. But yeah. that's it, isn't it? Like he's the yeah. world's like most wonderful fan ever, and I couldn't let that one pass. No, thank um, you. And secondly, uh, I shan't be letting anything go without mentioning the anthem. Now, I didn't Did see the anthem. anthem? No. no, so I watched it on YouTube. The NRLs put it up recently. Oh, no. Who was the anthem? Nat Bass. No. Yes. No. Not yeah, Nat Bass. Bro- not from the Rogue yeah. Traders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rogue oh. Traders Halftime Show. Oh, Rogue you're kidding. Traders Halftime Entertainment. Yeah. Don't say it's, maybe, baby. You are my yeah, voodoo child. You are my child. voodoo child. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Were, the, were the Rogue Traders named after Rene Rifkin? Do we know? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yes. Oh, I just, I just, anyway, I, I that's just, fantastic. It really rattled me. I thought you I, couldn't be going anywhere. Yeah. Whenever I watch a grand final from that era, from any era, I, I always want to know who did the grand, the, the anthem. But depending oh. on what replay you watch, you don't always get it. And this one, you see the players form up and then the next minute they're kicking off. I thought, they've robbed us of the national anthem. Mm. So I'm glad to hear it was Nat Bass. Um, that's fantastic. Oh, it was, yeah. She did a good job too. On a scale of one to Julie Anthony, it was at least I was going to say, did, <laughs> <laughs> did Rabs... Uh, did, did Rams have anything to say? Did he, did he say, oh, it's a lovely rendition? Was there anything like that? I, I think he gave it a pass mark. You know, I think yeah. he was fairly stiff on not giving anyone that's not Julie Anthony's pass mark. Pass mark. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, he was uh, – it, it was very good. I'm very disappointed you were robbed of that. And I suggest I so that you I. go back and I watch will. the whole thing on NRL.com so you can get the anthem. I, I, I will do that um, on mm. NRL.com. I'm sorry. I don't know why NRL.com have put that up on the version that's on their website <laughs> and haven't put it up on the version they uploaded to YouTube. Well, it's um, very difficult to understand why anyone wouldn't want to see Nat Bass. It is. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Anyway, the Rogue Traders, there you go. That's a wonderful piece of Australiana from that era, isn't it? Like it's a yeah, particular yeah, it time in Australian <laughs> history where Nat Bass could be playing the national yeah. anthem. Um, yeah. Now, <laughs> so we... The, the, the kickoff, of course, hearkened by Tim Mander in his second first grade grand final, doing the big mm. woohoo, um, oh, yeah. which is audible, even though, like, it is audible <laughs> through the mic, even though they don't point, like, they haven't turned it up, like, you can just hear it. If you if you know where to listen, you can still hear it. Um, that So that was good. Um, <clears throat> and you kind of know fairly early 
that something's a bit off about this game, that this is a weird one, because they're like in the second play the ball of the game, there's this horrible play the ball by Paul Rahihi, real Mark Carroll 97 areas, where mm. he just kind of stomps it backwards uh, and it's allowed to play on. The Tigers are hooking it from side to side, getting it out of Benji early. Um, the, the, the Cowboys are hooking it. And then in the eighth minute, there is just the most sublime bit of football uh, in which Aaron Payne, who I, like you, also rate quite highly um, against the tide of public, popular opinion or in spite of public indifference, uh, he scoots out a dummy half, gives it to Rahihi. Rahihi offloads it to Thurston. Thurston gives it out to Bowen. Bowen turns it inside to Smith, who for some reason, who, which I will never understand, just drops it back over his head to no one onto the ground. Uh, Thurston picks it up and just hands it like he's playing in the under sevens to Matt Bowen who slices through and scores. Um, it's just a beautiful bit of football to put the Cowboys 4-0 in front. Oh, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, two touches from Thurston, the try to Bowen. It's, it's just everything you want to see, isn't it, in that Cowboys game? Yeah. Um, it, you know, it, it, you're right. Immediately it was noticeable. All you could see from the start of this game, it goes all half, but it's noticeable from the start. It's just the, you know, the halfback for the Tigers and the 5-8 for the Cowboys. The Prince and Thurston are just magnificent in this game and um i'll talk about outfits at the end but the two of them um oh yeah thurston is magnificent i forgot a little bit like yeah i've always said to you and other people that i liked him better when he was younger thurston and don't get me wrong i know he was really good late on when he was controlled and everything else and he was you know he should be he'll be an immortal he's a wonderful player but i just loved him when he was this when he was younger he was all over the ball every play he had it handled it he'd handle it once he'd handle it twice he'd run i i I Get adored it, move, him. Pass, move yeah. on, move on, be available. Yep. Yeah, he was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I, I just, I loved him in that era. And Prince is just phenomenal. And they just put their stamp on everything all game. And it starts before this and it just yep. keeps going. It, everything just comes off them too. And it was, it was a joy to watch the two of them play. I'll tell you what else was a joy, Gazzy. We've said that mm. this was a great grand final try. It was followed by one of the great grand final things. <clears throat> <laughs> Resurrected after five years out of the game. The Cowboys mm. score. They go 4-0 and then 6-0 in front. And what do we see? Footage from the Leagues Club. You, how good is that? I thought it, We thought it was gone, but we get... And not only footage from the Leagues Club, footage of people in demented, big, oversized Cowboys hats at yeah, the Leagues Club. What a beautiful the dream. It's, yeah, yeah, this could be the last one. I, I, we, we'll find out, but I, this might be it. This might be the last ever Leagues Club footage, maybe until the night. They'd, they'd probably do it if the Knights made it again. So that, that gives everybody a bit of time. But um, yeah, it's, it was a beautiful thing. And everybody, uh, they look fairly excited when this happens. They look fairly miserable late on, but God, it was good to see them all. Um, and there's a lot of talk of, you know, all you people up there watching in Townsville, um, yeah. which I, I enjoyed. Uh, yeah, I was disappointed, though, to hark back to the last or well, the first game this didn't happen. It was disappointing in 99 that, you know, in this game, there's no mention from Rabs of you know, speaking to the Japanese viewers. That was disappointing. And, uh, yeah. Well, this brings me to an interesting thing about this. In this game, every time there's a try, they immediately go to an ad break. And yeah, it's so, odd. Yeah. And all the footage that I watched, because it's mm. – they, they stay with the action, but only for the overseas viewers who don't have ad breaks. So Rabs, so they score and then they immediately cut away and Rabs kind of vaguely disinterestedly kind of talks just to make sure that everyone knows the sound's still on. Mm. 
and then they come back from the ad break and then he just does the aftermath of the try. It's very strange and it really kills the momentum a little bit. Like when you, if you'd have been watching this live, if your team goes over to score and as soon as they start celebrating, they cut to an ad and the next minute you're watching an ad for Joyce Main or something. You know what I mean? Like I think it would rob yeah. it all of the excitement. I watched it like that as well. Yeah, there was, yeah, they score and then the whole energy goes out of rabs and they don't say anything and it's all this dead space and then all of a sudden he tries to hype it up again a minute later when they come back yeah. from Monday. Um, it's very odd. It is, yeah, um, I thought it was strange. Um, after that, there is some good play. There is a Scott, We're going to talk about what a good game Scott Prince had. I just want to note that in the 14th minute of this game, uh, he did what we now on the cemetery describe as a Clayton friend, uh, mm-hmm. a bomb dead on the full which was good yeah. to see. Sterlow points out helpfully that he just uh, overcooked that one a bit, uh, which I think is fair. Um, he hasn't got, his, hasn't got his range right. There is a stunningly good botch from Fitzhenry uh, with the line wide open, which everybody says is a botch and everybody thinks is a botch. But on reflection, when you watch the second or third replay, it might have been a botch by Tim Mander. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It was... Um... It's hard to tell, isn't it? Mm. I can't I, I get a good... I, I'm surprised you didn't go to the video, ref. And to be fair, I, I, we have to be reasonable here, I suppose. Um, we bagged out Bill Harrigan for not doing that. Heavily. Um, Heavily. Probably got, yeah, we've probably got to be fair and say that this is the same thing. You've got to have a look. I think it, it was enough that you had to have a look. I, I, yeah. I was like you. I was, I was half and half on it. But it doesn't end up mattering that much because... Um, a moment which truly touches the face of God, you'd have to say. In the 18th minute, Bryce Gibbs scores for the Tigers. It's a bomb by Scott Prince on last tackle. Not a particularly, you know, it doesn't look like a particularly dangerous bomb. It's fielded quite well, you'd have to say, by Paul Bowman, uh, who mm. catches it. He kind of he starts to be dragged into the in goal. Uh, and for some reason, one of the least enterprising players ever to play in a back line in rugby league history, uh, who was, as you mentioned at the top of the program, notoriously a good, solid, defensive, kind of a bit stodgy kind of a player. I hope I'm not underselling him there. Uh, he decides to throw a offload in the in goal, which doesn't go to anybody, and is grounded by Bryce Gibbs. Mm, what, yeah, what, Justin, what? Justin, Justin Hodges. What, um, what, what? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. He does, so he does the Justin Hodges. I can only put it to you that as a defensive centre. The defensive part of this play was executed very well. He did the first yes. spot. Uh, but once he had it, he needed to not uh, have visions of being an attacking centre and just hold yeah. on to it. It's a really bad one. It's, uh, it's every bit as bad as the Hodges origin one, other than the fact that Paul Bowman uh, thankfully doesn't do it again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Forget that about showing, Hodges. <laughs> showing, showing wisdom up beyond his years. But yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah it, it, uh, there's not much you can really say about it. The guy catches a fairly mediocre bong, it's dragging the in goal and has an absolute brain melt and throws it to mm. nobody at all. Um, Sterlow helpfully really rags Matt Bowen about it for about a minute and before realising on the replay that it's Paul Bowman, who doesn't look anything like oh, Matt Oh, yeah, Bowen. that's right. He says that it's <laughs> Bowen has thrown the pass. Yeah, what was he thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, no, that's uh, Bryce Gibbs. You know, you, 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 I suppose when you play a grand final, you have to expect a bit of Bryce Gibbs magic. That's right. You expect him to get one. Um, the mm. list of try scorers in this game is wonderful and we're not even at the start. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like on both sides, but particularly on the Tigers' side. Um, yeah. Hodgson kicks the goal from in front, and it's eight all, uh, six all. It's a really important moment. Like it was six nil, and the cows were doing mm. fairly well. Um, mm. they, they sort of had survived a bit of a near miss, 
to then let one in immediately after that. It's fairly demoralising and kind of daft. Um, well, they're both such flighty sides. If they get, if, yeah. if they had got out twelve or eight, it got twelve nil, and then there's every chance they got to eighteen, and they they just win. It's, uh, yeah. it's it doesn't decide the grand final, but these teams are particularly. Um, compared to some other grand finals, I mean, to talk modern terms, if you played the Roosters now in a grand final, even if you were up 12-0 as the underdog, you'd have a fair sense that I would still be on the Roosters. But in a game like this, even though the Tigers flogged them before, that's just the way the Tigers were. If they had it got to 12 and started yeah. pushing for another, then you'd start to, you'd, you'd be thinking, you don't, there's no guarantee the Tigers come back. They're two sides that could get beat and do a, hand out a licking and cop a licking. And, you know, it's a key time and obviously a yeah. pretty, pretty disastrous error well that's right and, and as we said i mean the tigers were notorious for conceding points um mm. and yeah it's it's a very odd um and unfortunate moment in the game uh that the cows then have a really unfortunate near miss in the 23rd minute when ty williams scores or should have scored or could have scored what would have been another stunningly good grand final try uh it's Thurston again. He runs. He makes a break. He gives it to Bowen. Bowen feeds it out there to... Uh, I think he gives it to Bowman, who then gives it to Williams. Williams goes over in the corner. Uh, and they have to call it back because Bluey Southern pushed Halitau out of the way. Yeah, it's, uh, it's an unfortunate one because it is the, would have been a beautiful try, but it was the right call. He oh, yeah. Clearly, lucky, yeah. Uh, took him out. Um, it's, I tell you, the, the, the most memorable thing about this moment is that Jonathan Thurston, who I already... Like, I have this weird thing with Thurston because I really adore him as a player, but I get really prickly about people comparing anyone to Andrew Johns. So I have this mm. duality about him, but like, I'm very, very fond of him. And he, um, he really went up in my estimation here because this is the first of two incidents in this game where he just starts baking the touch judge. It's like, <laughs> I, I just, um, you forget again that he was a bit of a rat bag. Like by the end of his yeah. career, he was this, he's this real, um, and, and, and good on him. He's this real sort of elder statesman sort of, uh, he's an indigenous leader in the community. He does a lot of work with the youth and he becomes this sort of real. Dignified um, figure in the game. Dignified figure. Yeah. But like when he was younger, he was a bit of a rat and he's just like really like the touch judge made the correct call here to check the try. It's very clearly not a try. And Thurston's just absolutely spatting him. And uh, as, a, as a fan of Andrew Johns, who is well known for that, I certainly can't be bagging it. But it's um, he goes again later and has to get a caution off Tim Meadows saying, "Now, if you go my touchy again, now you're gonna be out of here." And they really cops it for the baking of touch, both touch judges too, separate. Yeah, yeah. He gets both, yeah. and uh, I just think good on him. There should Absolutely be more of it. good on him. There baking should be. I, I think this is why touch judges exist to, to, to get blamed for decisions that were either right or that they didn't make. That's the whole point. The whole reason they're there, or that well, they, you, you know. You've attended a lot of games with me and I'd be in oh, no yeah. position to take the moral high ground against no. Thurston's bagging of the touchies. No, we've, I've seen you in action. Yeah, me too. Mm. I, that's what they're there for. If you're going to stand that close mm. to the ground, if you're going to stand that close to the crowd, I mean... Doing you know, nothing. Yeah. Doing nothing. Waddling mm. up and down with a flag. You deserve everything you get as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I think most people would agree with that. Um, <laughs> anyway, tw- 25th minute, uh, Brett Furman comes on. Big moment in the game. Mm. Uh, I've got I like Brett Furman. Yeah, I, I did until I'll get on to him in the second half. But uh, uh, there is another, there's a lot of near miss like tries that could have been great tries. There's a, Benji runs this beautiful play down the short side on last tackle from 30 out, six all in the grand final, 30 out. Benji just goes, no, I don't mind a bit of this. Down the blind side um, with Prince. I think Prince had been tackled in the previous play. He said, no, 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 we'll have this. Swings it over to, to Pat Richards who charges down the touchline. 
goes over, there's no grounding. Well, they call it back. And that's the second time Thurston. So this time, so having baked the touchy for a Cowboys try being disallowed, he then bakes the touchy as a Tigers try is disallowed, which just yeah. demonstrates good values, I think. Well, he just hates touchies. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly, <laughs> which is what I mean just, by good values. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, and not to complain excessively about Channel 9, but they then miss several tackles because of an ad break. Mm. The thing they, they say welcome back and it's not about third tackle. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you were watching the grand final with your team in it mm. and you knew that the, and, and they came back and you'd missed two tackles? Yeah, they used to do that in Origin a bit. It's just foul. They, oh, I've mate. said it before and I'm not going to go at length again, but they're a disgrace to the game. They've done nothing for the game over a long time and they should be cut out of the game as soon as possible. Can't stand them. They're yeah. a useless, pointless organisation. Yeah, look, mm. I, that's... Those are very strong views, um, but I think on balance, you know, that's about right. Mm. Um, the, 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 poor old, you know, the poor old people sitting at home, that, that'd give you cardiac arrest. Imagine you at the Leagues Club with your big cowboy hat and missing three tackles. Come on, they should be back on by now. Yeah. Bob Catter would be absolutely, he just started shooting people. Oh, there would have been a Senate inquiry, for sure. Yeah. Or up, or, yeah, absolutely. Now, that brings us to the moment and the try, the, thir- the 36th minute. The game in the balance at six all, Gazzy. Mm. Both sides have had a fired a few shots. They both had tries disallowed. They both had opportunities. They both dodged a few bullets. Mm. And then <clears throat> Jonathan Thurston stabs a kick in low from the Tigers' attacking half. Benji picks it. Benji gets it. Everybody remembers what happened next. Yeah, if you've got to describe that try, um, you probably aren't listening to our podcast. Like, if we've got to describe that to anyone, yeah. you possibly aren't listening to this. But, yeah, look, Benji goes downfield, throws an absolutely magnificent flick pass. Um, Pat Richards puts one of the world's greatest fens ever on Ty Williams, I think it is. Yeah, um, Bowen, one or the other. By the way. Goes over in, in the corner. Like, I think what needs to be talked no, about it's in not, this No, it's not. It's Jensen. It's Rod Jensen. Gen- is it? Jensen. Yeah, it is. yeah, I wrote it down. Better. The... Um, what needs to be talked about this this try, I think, is Shifty Sheens. So yes. what people don't realise is the this is yet another tinkering, mastery bit of Shifty Sheens uh, magic because Benji Marshall, and I remembered as soon as I watched the game, but I had forgotten because nobody has done this ever again, is that Benji Marshall, despite playing 5-8, was being defended on the wing. Yeah. Um, so he defends on the wing, not only during the sets, but actually goes back for the kick return. So yeah. the, he sets this try up ostensibly from playing left wing. Um, coming back through, taking a pass off Hodgson or something and, and, and yeah, to yeah. go through. So so what you um, have got is that in an era that, you know, we're just coming out of an era of Wendell Saylor and Lottie Dekiri playing on the wings for Brisbane. We, we go into an era now where you're Blake Ferguson's and, and Ken Mamalo's and, um, you know, these big wingers. Are, Sabo, yeah. Yeah, to bring them out of trouble. Like your game is to have giant wingers stomp the ball out of trouble. So he puts his most flighty... 75 kilo rigging wet, uh, barely out of his teenagers, 5'8", back there to go, especially with Brett Hodgson at fullback, who is also a little man. He just flips the script, Shifty. He doesn't care what you're supposed to do. He's like, no, no, we're on for this. And, you know, over the course of the year, I don't remember that many of his tries coming in this fashion, but on the big stage, he scores a try that he could only score if playing under the complicated mind. Sorry, sorry, sets up a try that he could only have possibly done under the complicated mind and coaching of Tim Sheens. 
absolutely right. This is an overlooked fact of history. Why was he back there? That's it. Mm -hmm. Everybody mm -hmm. just goes, remember when Benji did this? Yeah, he only did it because he was back on the left wing. Uh, it's genius. And it's for exactly mm -hmm. this kind of thing. There is no player in the, in the history of the game that you would more want running the ball back at a broken line. Is that mm -hmm. unfair? Ever. <laughs> Not many. No. If there are, you're like, it well, just... well they, I mean, uh, I, I want to talk about Benji in a second, but I mean, Benji Marshall's footwork yeah. is a better version of what Caelan Ponga does now, who you absolutely want bringing the ball back. In fact, that's what they do with him. Yeah, um, that's right. And, and that's right. Um, can, I make, can I make a little shout out here? I think there's some, there's some fatty commentary that can't be passed up. Oh, yeah, time. go for it. Um, <laughs> in describing the, the uh, courage of Pat Richards to get off the field after being a million to one to play this week. Yeah. Um, Gross exaggerations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, here you go. He goes, oh, come on. He's had about 48 needles in his ankle this week, <laughs> Paddy Richards. And look, it's a minor one. But I love him, and he's just a legend. And I just <laughs> comments like that are why he is the greatest person to ever live. Love it's him. Just, yeah, <laughs> this is. I suspect, yeah. and I don't know this to be true, but I was actually surprised. Mm. I suspect this is one of his last grand finals um, yeah. on, the, on the commentary team. I don't think he'd lasted much longer than this, if memory serves. I, but um, I haven't added anyone who's better. Put it that way. No, I think that's right. Um, yeah, it's very good. <laughs> yeah, forty-eight needles in the ankle. Um, it's th this is the worst example of going to an ad break straight after a try because and because it's just it's like the most stunning bit of football. Uh, but they do make up for it somewhat, Channel Nine, by showing some very nice footage of Carl Webb in the crowd with mm. the big Shannon Knoll flavour saver, which I thought was a nice touch. Mm. Yeah. Did he have uh, the cue shaved in his head at this point? No, unfortunately, I don't, I don't mm. think he had the cue, which was that was mm. a good look. The cue, I think, it if was, he had yeah. the cue. And the flavour saver at the same time. Yeah, with the NQ, there wouldn't have been much hair left. That's no, that's, yeah, it's a bit yeah. wordy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think, as far as grand final tries go, I mean, this is very iconic and legendary. I, mm. it, it, I think the thing that jumps out about it more than anything is just how unusual it is. Like it's. Uh, you know, I'm a shocker because every time we see one, I want to declare it the best ever because I'm very liable to get caught up in things. But this, in, you know. I, I'm loath to back off Lord Ted's try being the best one I've ever seen because unfortunately Pat Richards doesn't kick cuss himself. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but if he had of, I think I'd be prepared to. Yeah, to we have a new champion. Yeah. yeah, this is this is right up the top of the list. Um, it's iconic for a couple of reasons because it does matter who does things. Like at the end right. of the day, you know, um, when you talk about Darren Albert scoring, it's Andrew Johns going down the blind side. When you talk about the Cowboys winning in Golden Point, or you know, in their first grand final win Jonathan Thurston kicks it these things do matter um mm. you know what I mean like the, the, yeah. that does add to the myth of the thing these are the things that kind of gild yeah. that gild the best players careers this is what makes the Billy Slater try in origin like yeah. that try was phenomenal but if it had been scored by Ty Williams it possibly wouldn't be getting quite as many runs as it does now and this being Benji Marshall doing what he did being the player he was and who he becomes over the next few years I think that has to, with all that in mind, for him to have done that on that stage, yeah, I, I think it's in the top couple, probably ever, probably maybe even second. It's 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 just, I, I if you let me talk about Benji, I just love. I will. Like, he, he, who he do you really think you're talking me, to? 
I nearly like I nearly tear up when I talk yeah. about him, and I'm nearly doing it again. I've watched a series of tries from that season this week, which I shouldn't have done because it overstimulates my brain. Yeah. But anyway, like, look, I, I just want to go. I, I've had a my say on another episode about why he should be considered one of the truly greatest ever, and I won't go back over all that material. But what I just want to give some context to: firstly, him as a player, and secondly, um, a comparison with Thurston. So, mm. um, I suppose if anyone is younger and listens to this now or in the future and wonders, you know. What was he like? Um, in 100 years Do you want to do a comparison? Yeah, yeah. Um, Sean Johnson five years ago was a wonderful comparison to Marshall, as is Caelan Ponga now. Um, but Benji was better than both of them. But that's yeah. the player, that the style. That player didn't exist before Benji Marshall. And, and you see players at all levels now that play like Benji. Those are the best two since Benji that play in that way. But you see guys from Cody Nicaremas to Dylan Browns, all these guys. Benji started a craze of players coming through who were electric, attacking, have big side steps and play in the halves. Or in his case, at fullback, but he plays very much like a half as well. So they, he was, there wasn't really players like this before him. And everyone at that time has you know, when you talk, listen to some of these guys, he's all their heroes. Like you go, mm. you get these Nicaremas, you get these, and they go, oh yeah, that's like, that's all I wanted to be was be Benji Marshall. You hear guys in reserve grade coming through, get one first grade game or something. They go, oh yeah, nah, like I, this is, this is it. I just used to Benji step everywhere. And, and it, it, he was the first of this sort of player. And that was the style, just this um, brilliant flighty, no template, whatever's going to happen. I'm going to back my footwork. If that doesn't come off, I'll throw a long ball. I can go short. I can do anything that I want to do on the field with confidence. It, that They're very similar to those two. That's the comparison, but better. Mm. Um, and the other thing I just wanted to mention is he, he has had a funny career. So it's a career of two halves. He leaves the Tigers in about 2012. And it that's, I mean... It, when he comes back, he does come second in the Daly M once for the Dragons, and he's had a really nice renaissance at the end. But everything you write in the Benji Marshall story about why he was so good happens before he leaves for Rugby Union. Mm. And he has a big form drop in about 2012. And, you know, he's never been what he was before that again. No. Albeit he has made a career as a good footballer and a very nor is, good footballer. Nor has anyone else, just quietly. No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. But that's what I was supposed wanted to get to is that everyone who will talk about Jonathan Thurston, who is, should be an immortal and will be an immortal. At, at the point that Benji drops off in 2012 and goes over to, to rugby, they're having very similar careers. I remember watching games at that time, and there was a, you know, a debate who was the best player in the world, whether it was Thurston or Benji Marshall. Uh, worth noting, Cameron Smith was in the peak of his career here. Billy Slater was in the peak of his career here. Cooper Cronk was winning grand finals. Nobody put them on that level at all. It was always Thurston and Marshall. Cameron Smith's moment comes later in his career. At this point, it was Benji and Thurston all the time. Benji and Thurston, who's the best player? They're both the best player and all that sort of thing. There wasn't really a clear consensus. And look, that that bears out in their records. I, I, I just, I've done some digging today from 2005 to 2012, so this year to then. So they mm-hmm. both make the grand final in 2005. Um, Thurston makes four final series in the next eight years. He has ninth, third, 15th, 12th, 15th, 7th and 5th. So He's going along and he is acknowledged as the best player of the world, but he's not being able to bring that Cowboys side where they need to go. And on Benji's side, he makes three finals in the next eight years. He misses one more than Thurston, but he does have a couple of shoulder injuries in the next couple of years here where they miss them in 11th and 9th and stuff where he can't finish the year. Um, And you can't rewrite this stuff. At the end of the day, they didn't make it. And I can only tell you the stats, but he misses one more final series, but realistically 
yeah, I'm prepared to say the 11th and 9th. Had he not been under the knife, they possibly would have got there. So yeah. they go 11th, 9th, 10th, 9th, and then go 3rd, 4th, and then 10th. So they, they both have similar careers there. And at rep level, Thurston it becomes, you know, sets a record that possibly won't ever be broken. He was in the middle of that. They win, they win seven series in a row in Origin, and he's won seven of his eight Origins ever. He loses in 2005 and doesn't lose again um, for a long time and hadn't lost when Benji left the game. But not to harp on about Benji's rep record, which I've now done a couple of times, whilst, whilst Thurston is putting that outstanding situation together, Benji Marshall in 2008 uh, actually wins the World Cup and he wins the World Cup with the only New Zealand team to ever do it. And he does it with uh, Lance Higher at fullback, Benji at six, Fien at seven and Lulawai at nine against uh, Slater, Lockyer, Thurston, Smith. All of whom may damn well be immortalised. <laughs> like, all of them. Before we're done, all of them. And he beats them with Lance Higher, Nathan Fien, and Thomas Lulawai. No disrespect, but yeah, nah, that's not. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not just competitive. The level. No. Yeah. And uh, two years later, he doesn't just do this once. Oh, you know, they fluked it. This. No, no, no. So two years later, they play the Four Nations final. So Australia's stinging off that. Keep in mind, they're stinging off that. And the next major tournament, he goes into that final with a, the same spine, her higher Benji, Fien and Lulawai. And Thurston misses this game. And he play, they play, he's injured at the end of that year. And he plays against Slater, Lockyer, Cronk and Smith. So they have to call in Cronk for um, Thurston, which must have really Nightmare. damaged everyone's confidence. Nightmare. Yeah, just yeah. no options. Um, and Benji beats them again. And he considers that game as the best game he's ever played. Um, on that recommendation, we shall be watching it. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's, <laughs> all, I, but, that's, just, that's uh, all I need to hear. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose the point of this conversation isn't to say to neg on Thurston or to say he wasn't better than Benji or not as good. What it is, to, I suppose, show is that the player that now is considered to be an immortal, you know, one of the best players ever in his position and all-round deified for the career he had, when they were in at, at about three-quarters of the way through that career and the bulk had been played, he was considered alongside Benji and their records are very similar at what they got their club sides to do and they both led a representative side, Thurston for Queensland and um, Benji for New Zealand, to levels that had not really ever been achieved before with or without them. Mm. And I, I suppose I just wanted to paint that picture so people really do understand what a big deal Benji became after this game and how good he was in the game. It's not the guy you see now. Oh, Benji's great. He's a cult hero and he can still do some good things. No, no, he, he was like, it was him and Thurston. Not him, Thurston and Smith. Not Smith. At the, it was him and Thurston and that was it. And everyone else was underneath. He was the peak of the game. Um, and I just suppose because of how it's ended and because of the years where he hasn't been at that level and, and Thurston stayed at that level, and that has to be taken into account when you consider records. But I just want people to understand how good he was. That's all. This is, a, this is a crucial, mm. a total, an absolutely crucial piece of historiography. And I, and I appreciate you. I, all I can say is preach it, brother. Um, mm. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure we'll have this exact conversation again on this podcast and probably in private another 52 times like we already have. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, you're absolutely right. P- people, it, it's very easy to forget now because, because the last few albums have been a bit different and, and haven't been as good. Um, it, it's, it's easy to forget now just how good he was. And, mm. and you know, and that the, the you, what you say is right. The image of this kind of cult hero who everybody loves and who, you know, the kind of poor old battling Benji dragging the tigers and all of this, He's kind of seen as this sort of Kurt Gidley figure or something, you know, 
and mm-hmm. he he wasn't. He he was the he was the best player going for quite a while. Um, best player in the world, or equal best player in the world for a long period of time. He was feared deeply by anyone who came up against them. And if he rocked up, no matter how they were going, he could have torched anyone, and he did a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you watch his, um, I commended to you. Um, there's a thing on Ko. They did a Fox did a series of all the tries. Uh, a few years in a row, um, and they did one on him. And it goes back to, it gets as far as some of his dragon stuff. But one of the things that you, you should watch it, it goes for about 50 minutes and it's incredible. It's the, the, some of them are just like wild. But one of the things that jumps out at me is how many of them are against Melbourne? Like in that, yeah. peak, he, he came up against the peak Melbourne when they were cheating and all of this, and they were better than everybody. And there are like at least half a dozen tries from all over the field against them. And yeah, he, he's magnificent. Uh, you could double way. the salary cap and he would have scored all of those. They could have had 20 million instead of mm. 10 that you mm. wouldn't stop him scoring these tries. There's because people can't stop Benji Marshall. You put the Australian, well, he did it against the Australian team playing with a club, yeah. club level players, good club level players against a, a spine that will be immortalized and forward packs of seven receivers and gallons and all these guys. And he did it against them as well. You know, and, that, and, we did, his, and we did pick this game a little bit with his uh, his exit from the Tigers in mind. Uh, mm. You know, but it, it's yeah, I, I he he kind of even as he's come back, he, he's he slowed up and he's kind of he, he, there's a lot more kind of there's a lot more rocks than diamonds now. Mm. But he still has so much class. And the great thing that I've always loved about him, and that I've always the, the reason I've always loved watching him, and every, any game with him in it is worth watching, because. Mm. You, anything can happen. Yeah. <laughs> he always, he always gives you something. You know, yeah, he, does. he does. I remember one night. I remember being at Leichhardt one night. It was a terrible. It was. I think I played the Cowboys. Actually, it might have been against Thurston, and Benji. I think the Tigers won, but Benji had a fairly quiet game. hadn't really done anything special, and all of a sudden, the Tigers got a penalty on their own heart on their own try line. Coming out of trouble, I think they were only in front by a couple. And Benji's like eyes up the quick tap and streaks up field and the ref had to call him back. It's just like, he always gives you something. Yeah. yeah he's a wonderful man. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm glad that we've had this opportunity to once again deify Benji Marshall. Uh, and I, I hope that, you know, if, if this is, if this is it, if he doesn't play next year, I hope, I desperately hope he does play next year and I hope it's for the Knights, but if he, if he doesn't, um, I hope I hope he gets a I hope he gets a good a good send off and people are, you know acknowledge how good he's been for the game, and and how good he's how much of a treat he's been to watch. No one has ever been better to watch. No, I, I I can't think of anyone. No, um, yeah, there's a few contenders in this game, but even even them, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, that that try uh, takes us more or less to half time, barring a, a missed penalty goal from Brett Hodgson on the half. Uh, so it's twelve six at half time. Uh, and it's you know, it's strange and all this. I, I don't know about you. I got the feel that Channel Nine kind of lowballed this a little bit. They don't. I, I didn't feel like they gave it a great sense of occasion. It all felt a little bit kind of laboured to me. The coverage, the commentary, like it's just not quite. But you know, they always they will kind of really hype up grand finals now and talk about great sides and this great clash. And it all still they treat it a bit like it's. I don't know. It didn't quite. It didn't quite feel like the rest of them. The, the coverage. Yeah, I, I suppose we probably need to watch a couple from around then because everything moves over time. So mm. we find the '80s so comically un 
whipped up, for example, and mm. they would never treat a grand final now, no matter who played like they did this one. That's totally true. But I, I wouldn't mind, I suppose. We, we've only watched 01. We haven't watched anything closer. So it'd be worth watching the others. I'd be keen to get a, a look at the big grand final of the era the year before you, you Roosters, Bulldogs, and see what the height was like there. But yeah. look, to be honest, we've said this before that in 2004, Rabs is commentating the Cowboys for possibly the first time ever <laughs> yeah, in that final. True. And he's introducing all the players to them. And you wonder if some of these guys just weren't that familiar with some of them, you know? Like they, they knew Benji was good, and, and, and you know, you just wonder where, how much they'd watched some of these guys. Well, that's way. true. And, you know, they, I, think we, I think we pulled out a stat, if memory mm. serves, that in 2004, it was only the Cowboys' second appearance on Channel 9 ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they, they showed their, I think they showed their first ever game and then never showed them mm. again for t- sort of 10 years because they were just mm. such a non-entity that they were on Fox every week. Uh, yeah. and, this, and this match feels like something you'd see at sort of 5.30 on Super Saturday. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's just very out of place. Um, <clears throat> shortly after halftime, another of the very exciting and wonderful players in this game has his moment. Robbie Farrar jumps out a dummy half from close range, turns the ball inside to Anthony LaFranchi to barge over. Um, this is this is just lovely kind of... This is that lovely dummy half or half kind of inside ball that you set up, you know, 10 or 15 tries a season from if you're a very good player. Um, Farrar was able to do... He, he was able to do very good things had very exciting things in his career, but he also didn't need to. He was also at his base a very good, you know, um, he, he was just a very good player. He's one of the most clever dummy halves to ever play the game. Um, from my time, there's nobody, nobody was a more clever attacking dummy half than he is. He had, nobody had as many tricks as he had. Um, we've now got watched a lot of historical football and um, the only other one that, really compares to him as Benny Elias. Yep. They were just Nobody has the bag of tricks these two guys had. They could have played halfback quite easily. Um, they get out of nine and play halfback. He just has everything in his bag. He was a very maligned player because he's a prickly bastard and, yeah. you know, he fell out with a lot of people and his personality and everything else. But he, he like, as an attacking dummy half, he had more tricks than anyone else Fantastic. ever had. And as his career went on, he also became a very tough player. He had 50 tackles in State of Origin games and all sorts of stuff. He wasn't a, he wasn't a, um, he never shirked it. And, no. and that probably developed. When he was younger, he was very all out attack and, you know, he wasn't what he became off the ball. But, you know, it's just one of those things that I, he, I, I think he's a bit underrated by history and which is not a bad segue because I just did want to briefly take the time to say that I don't think people remember how good LaFranc he was. Um, yes, he played for Australia, didn't he? Yeah, I've got some stats for you. So yeah. when you say the name Anthony LaFranchi, I just don't know that people would understand that we're talking about someone who played 205 games in Australia, 100 plus for the Titans and the, the Tigers, which might be why he's not well remembered, yeah. but four, four origins and five tests. Mm. Went at the Titans too. So from the yeah. Titans, he has picked in. He played four State of Origin games, five Test matches, two hundred and five games. Went over to England, played a hundred there, made the Exiles and all that. I just, I like, it's not something we need to talk about in great depth. I just think that maybe, like, if you looked at this side, I think people would go, ah, oh, Chris Hinington, and then they go, oh, you know, like some of they mentioned some of these forwards, and then even if you think later sides, they start talking about Galloway and these forwards of Tigers forwards. You remember, but like Lafranchi was uh, scored a try in a grand final. Um, he, he ends up playing for New South Wales and Australia. I, I just like, he sort of had a better career than a lot of people that played for the Tigers that dare talked about more. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. you know, this, I mean, it does matter who you play for, right? Like for your, for your, yeah. your, the way you're remembered, um, yeah. you know, Anthony LaFranchi, particularly when he went to the Titans, but you know, played yeah. a lot of his, 
probably played a lot of his career on Super Saturday. And you just, you don't get the name yeah. and the reputation. Yeah. And some guys just never get the name. Like, even up there, like, if you went and asked people who their best ever forwards were, you get a lot of people saying, Bull Bailey, he was a good player. You get people yeah. saying Ryan James because he's really big with big hair and he's sort of Memorable. noticeable. Yeah. He's a good player. Like, he's a good player, Ryan James. But you get people saying this stuff and naming these people and then you go, well, hang on, like, Ryan James didn't even make the New South Wales side. This bloke's played five tests, you know, um, whilst making the top four at the Titans, I believe, as well. So, I don't know. I just wanted to bring him up. I think he's just a guy, that one of those guys that, you know, sometimes we, we watched the 89 grand final and we had no idea about Maguire, for example. We'd never heard of him. And we looked him up and he played for New South Wales and Australia. And you and I went, oh, he's a good player. Mm. Um, and, and that sort of sticks in your, your mind. Sometimes we see players and we look them up and their records are good, but you've never heard of them. And, and this just probably falls in that category where if someone watched this, watched a game he was in in 20 years they might google him go i've never heard of him and yeah. you go oh geez <laughs> you know? yeah i probably should have yeah that's yeah, right exactly yeah, yeah bruce mcguire is a great example um yeah. now this this is another great moment in the match uh hodgson kicks the goal the tigers go out to 18 six in front and sturlow yeah. cometh the hour cometh the man it might not be an ordinary grand final but some things uh, are truly unkillable in the 47th minute he says the Cowboys need to be the next to score. Oh, yeah. 18 oh, yeah. down in the grand final. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's not wrong. Again, not wrong. He's not incorrect. He, um, I'll tell you another good thing. I, I, I know that at this point, it comes up all game, but it just really blared up at this point, is that one of the great things about this game, as, as some people know, I'm a fairly big jersey connoisseur. Jeez, there's a lot of good West and a lot of good Balmain jerseys in the crowd. Like, you get double treated because sort of like there's two very traditional Sydney club fans, both at the game going for the same team. Mm. So you get these beautiful late 90s Magpies jerseys and these sort of methy Tigers 97 jerseys and all this sort of stuff. It's wonderful. I might put one, I might put, you know, I might go both this week, jersey. You might get a yes, West and a, and a, a joint venture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, you, your, collection, your collection yeah. does span both. Uh, if listeners aren't yeah. aware and they keep wondering where these jerseys come from, our friend Gazzy here, is, I think it's fair to say, one of Australia's foremost rugby league jersey collectors, um, particularly jerseys of the 1990s uh, and even more particularly defunct clubs. Um, and having recently had the pleasure of a tour of the jersey uh, collection, it is truly a thing to behold. Mm. Truly a thing to behold. Now, uh, so yeah, that would be good. If you chuck up, a, chuck, a, chuck up a Balmain and a West, that'll get people will be lured in by that, I reckon. Uh, there is another great moment just after this in which Benji shows the other reason that we love him so much. Because at 18-6 up in the grand final, he nicks down the blind side and boots it out on the full. <laughs> um, I, I've said to you before that never, never has there been a superstar that good that would make such calamitous errors. <laughs> like yeah. Nobody, because people make errors like this, but nobody who has ever been exquisitely wonderful, good as, as he is and was, has ever at the same time that they were that good made so many like disastrous mistakes. <laughs> like, he was just beautiful. <laughs> Nobody's ever done, nobody that good. Nobody who comes up in immortal conversations and Hall of Fame has ever at the same time that they were, doing the things that made them that good, also no. kicked the ball out on the floor, passed it behind people, passed it into touch, and all this Along sort of the stuff. Ground, he's, just yeah. a, he's a gem. He's a gem. He really is. Uh, mm. And then, I mean, the Tigers complete, they lose their heads a bit here, right? <clears throat> a few minutes after this, Hodgson gets sacked on last tackle on about halfway, and Shane Elford just boots it out on the full as well. Um, yeah. Just completely shins it. Shouldn't have, the, like, wasn't meant to get the ball, shins into touch in a panic. Uh, and the and the, the Cowboys score off this. 
I'm glad I you mentioned Shane Elford because it comes up several times in the in the uh, footage that he's off to Souths. Does it? Yeah, yeah several he... times it's mentioned by Rabs. I just think for the sake of friend of the show, Matt Peterson, who's an ardent uh, follower of anyone who's ever dicked South Sydney in any yeah. slight way, would just point out that this was a repudiation situation. That's a very late uh, That's a very late backflip on a contract. Yeah. He decided after the grand final that he didn't want to go. Jeez, well, I think if you played the grand final with Benji and watched him make that play with Pat Richards, they wouldn't have been running away to play with South at that time. No. <laughs> I might be on the end of some of this. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably it. I think you were probably entitled to think you'd have a better time, um, mm. particularly South in that era. No disrespect to them, obviously. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, but as I say, the Cowboys score off this error. Uh, and it's a beautiful bit of play by Thurston. It really is. Um, he, gets it, he gets it in the middle of the park about 10 out. And this is worthy of anyone. He did. It's the forgotten flick pass, right? If, if the Cowboys had won the game, this would probably be the iconic play. Um, because he drifts across field, has Travis Norton, good pro, coming back on the inside and flicks the ball around the back. It's kind of, it just flicks it to him. And it's such a sleight of hand that you don't even know that he's done it until Norton's already through the gap. The closest person it reminds me of is Cliff Lyons' um, full circular balls that he used to run, like where he almost mm. runs across field and almost pirouettes back around his own body in a 360 to give him the ball. It's magic. I just wrote, I watched that and I just went, oh, JT. Oh, like it's mm. just mad. Um, it, it, it was phenomenal. He has an outstanding game. Could I put something to you on Thursday? Mm. If I may? Can I put to you that he was substantially, substantially better in this game than the one that he won the Churchill in? Absolutely. Yeah, he was. Like, he didn't, he didn't he do much at all in the game he won no, the Churchill in. No, no, he shouldn't have won the Churchill, but he could have had a fair mm. argument for winning this one. He was, mm. he was, like, he was absolutely outstanding. I, as I, oh, God, I, God, I loved him when he was young and running. He is, he is just, I just can't even cop conversations about Cronk or Cameron Smith or any of these. No, they Thurston didn't have these the gears. One. They didn't have these Thurston gears. was the one. Yeah. I remember Thurston's first, um, remember his first origin game at halfback. Mm. Uh, it must, it was probably, it might've even been this very season, 2005. Mm. And um, he just, yeah, a couple of times in that game, I remember watching it being, you know, 12 or 13 mm. and he makes a couple of breaks mm. yeah. early in the game. And you just go, Whoa, who's this? You know, like, you know who he is, but it was like, Whoa, who's this? Yeah. This is, this is a player, you know? Yeah, uh, he he. Every I, I used to go to like one of the Sydney games every year for, from when I was about eighteen for a couple of years. It was at the start of the streak. I turned eighteen mm. when they when they started losing. Yeah, good and time. Every yeah, I, every time the game would be in the balance with ten minutes to go for about four or five years, and later on they just got so good they used to cod wallopers. But for a few years there, every time the game was close in the last ten minutes, Jonathan Thurston would either score or set up the try. Like he'd do his show and go go through the line. When you go, oh, this is tight, this is tense, he would just go through with his running game and draw the fullback and set someone up or he'd make that break and they'd score the next play and you used to get interviewed and they'd ask him what happened. He'd just go, show and go, baby, and stuff mm. like that. He's, ha, 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 show and go, and all this stuff. Like, he's just um, exquisite and I, I really, really enjoyed watching him play. Very distinctive running style too. He had it and passing and the mm. way he held the ball. It was all very, it was very familiar watching him again. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that took it to 18-12. Hannay throws the goal over. It's absolutely criminal from the Tigers to give them that chance. Uh, and then the Cows, this is their, this is their chance. This, the, the few minutes after this is where they could have uh, equalised and won the game, in my view. This is where it is lost. Uh, because they roll up the field, I think off the kickoff from this try. They get to the 30 in the Tigers' half, and Brett Furman, for some reason, gets it on last, and... 
kind of just stabs it against the grain about 15 metres straight to a Tigers player. He doesn't try to put an attacking kick in. He doesn't even drive it into the corner. He just kind of kicks it back to them. And then two minutes later, they roll up the field again, a second time in a row, uh, and get right in position. They go about 80 metres in the set, and Furman gets the ball on last, and he puts it dead. And they just had to, they had to make one of those count. They had to get down there and score. They, and, you know, pin them, you know, force a dropout, get the ball back and score. Uh, and they didn't. And, and Furman kind of, that's their moment. And it, it goes up in smoke. Yeah, look, it is. It's, uh, it, it, just, it just makes you wonder why Thurston's wearing six in some of these situations. Yeah. I know he'd come through as a six, but like the, the ball needs to, whatever number you've got on your back, there needs to be an understanding um, amongst him I'm not blaming Furman particularly. I'm not blaming the hook. It's all three, like Thurston, Furman and Payne or Fayumu, whoever was on, need to know that this has got to go to Thurston in these spots. Like that, that's not... At that time you, in the you game. Don't, that, it's just at that time of the game with that momentum, it's just got to go to your best player. Um, mm. He needs the ball. He needs to look at what's on, assess what kick to make or whether he's got to run it, like whatever. Like he's just got to have the ball um, yeah. in those circumstances. And they just got that situation, I think, a bit wrong. Yeah, that's right. And... They are um, they're more or less punished for it immediately. The Tigers make a bit of a half break through Fitzhenry. They get uh, they get about thirty out. They put a bomb up to the corner. Matt Singh takes it superbly, like in the clutch with twenty minutes to go in the grand mm. final. And I know he drops one earlier in the game, to which they end up scoring from the, the scrum. But this is like championship rounds, 18, 12, 20 to go, and he gets up above the ground and comes down with the ball supremely. He's a wonderful player. Would you say he's good in the air? Is I think you have to say, say Matt was good in the air. I think that's where yeah, it's good. going. Yeah. And in reward for that magnificent take, the Cowboys dummy half throws the ball more or less into Justin Smith's head uh, and it goes to ground. And off the scrum, Scott Prince seizes the game. And once he does this, he is the game for the last 20 minutes. This is everything... The rest of the game is completely controlled by him and completely dominated by him, starting from this scrum where he picks it up, goes on a sideways kind of run. Show I used to love how nobody does that anymore, that little show out the back that he used to do. Very popular in the 80s, I think, maybe even the 90s, but nobody does it. Nobody's done it 10 years before or after Scott Prince. Showing it, showing it, showing it, running sideways and then straightening, bang. Gives it to Elford. Elford gives it to Fitzhenry. Fitzhenry over in the corner. 22-12, and then Hodgson, the absolute gun, puts the kick over from near the sideline, and it's 24-12. And from the Cowboys really coming at them, the game's nearly over. My note on this just says the magic of Scott Prince, followed mm. by this is the quintessential Scott Prince play. Isn't and I didn't need to remind myself of what, the try, what happened on the try, despite a very poor memory, because... I just know what the quintessential Scott Prince play. The quintessential Scott Prince play is to get the ball, roam across the field, showing unders, showing unders, showing unders, and then looping until he can finally beat the man that he's got one-on-one, and then he'll do him for pace, straighten, and boom, hit someone, or he'll go through himself. He scored one of those beautiful tries at the Cowboys, going unders, unders, scores, and then he does the bucking um, Cowboy on the ball, which is one of the best celebrations of all time. But he, can I put it to you that, Yes. And I'm going to talk about Scott Prince on the end, so I won't mm. sort of uh, blow everything now. But can I put it to you that he's the most aesthetically pleasing great halfback ever? Like yep. Nobody is more pleasing on the eye 
than Scott Prince, who was a great halfback. Yeah, he was very good, but he did a lot of pretty things as well. Yeah, this oh. is this is just really nice, isn't it? Gorgeous. Um, Everything about him was gorgeous. He's such a good well, player. Well, what he does from here, right? So, and this is, and he ends up winning the Churchill Medal, and this is where this twenty minutes is where he wins it, right? Um, because he'd been good in the game and had a bit of control and all this, but like if this was, um, and I, I have a theory and I suspect you're about to say the same thing that he's a bit undersold by history. Scotty Prince, he's not quite remembered as, as good as he yep. was <clears throat> a bit like Anthony LaFranchi, I guess, in that he probably played for the wrong clubs. He didn't, didn't spend yep. a lot of time on Friday night football, but if, if, if Thurston or Smith or Johns or any of the really elite remembered beloved kind of immortal candidate players had had the 20 minutes with the game in the balance that he has here, it would be remembered as their, 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 their day. And it would be the evidence that they have to be an immortal. Um, Cause he sets up, he puts the bomb up in the corner to pin them down there. Then he sets the try up. Then off the next set, he kicks on tackle four and pins them 10 meters out in the corner. There you go. Do your best for that gents. Right in the perfect kick. Then about five minutes after that, he makes a break from the 10 beats five, six tacklers, draws the fullback and hits Hodgson, who only has to catch it and they score. Hodgson yeah. drops it. But, like, it, he creates a try. They it's just a like, shame that because that you, it just would have helped adding to the evidence. It's just stunning <laughs> to play. Like, he's on yeah. his own 10 and just runs it and starts going past people, bobbing, he's weaving, beautiful. stepping. Um, oh, he's beautiful. Then he nails them again a couple of minutes later with a kick to the corner on last, pins them right in the corner again. Like, they're in front by 12 with eight to go. Bang, have another one. Uh, and then he, uh, well, that's about it. But but that, that that's, you know what I mean? Like that, that period of time wins them the game. He just swarmed the game. From 18-12, he just says, no, we're winning. And bang. Playing against a man who will be an immortal in a yeah. relatively tight game. Yeah. They go from game in the balance to home in about 12 minutes and it's all off mm. Scott Prince. Um, yeah. yeah. And that that's, yeah, he's a wonderful player. Uh, the, at the interesting point about the, the kind of how odd this game is, after 68 minutes, uh, the Tigers had completed 24 of 31 and the Cowboys 22 of 31. There were a fair few mistakes in the game, but presumably because it was zinging around so much. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the Prince thing kind of leads to a lot of origin speculation, um, which I love in sort of October. Um, as, as I think as if there's not enough to talk about in the grand final we have to yeah, talk no. about who's going to who, yeah. play for Queensland next year yeah and there's a lot of talk about and again this is probably a mark of how good he was Thurston's just won the Dally M hmm. and Sterlow's talking about who I don't know who I don't know what Queensland are going to do next year Scotty Prince like he, he he's it, they're going to have a really hard decision to pick a halfback next year they might have to move Lockyer to fullback and all this kind of thing hmm. um, yeah and that's 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 the kind of game he had and that's you, the, know, you know what's good just briefly um, someone responds to that. I think it might be Fatty. One of them responds to that by saying that the problem with moving Darren Lockett to fullback is it would start to like leave out players like Reese Wesser. Yeah, <laughs> it does. And can I just put to you, I'm very fond of Reese Wesser, but Likewise. the suggestion of not moving Darren Lockett to get Prince Lockyer and Thurston into the side on the basis of of, of Wesser dicking is just very. It is <laughs> good. Speaks very deeply, and yeah. he doesn't end up being picked with Wesser either, despite them not going with Prince. But yeah, I just think that we need to mention that. I appreciate it. Um, with three minutes to go, mm. there are still two tries to come. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. 24-12. And in the 78th minute, there is another, there's a beautiful ball from Thurston. It, oh. Like, goodness oh. me. 
He just fizzes this cutout pass from about 20 metres, puts it on Matt Singh's chest, who goes over untouched uh, with about two minutes to go. Uh, and the ball goes to Josh Hannay to take the conversion. And uh, I don't know if you caught this graphic, Cassie, but uh, Josh Hannay takes the sideline conversion to keep them in contention in the grand final with a career record of 69% and a season record of 67%. It's funny, so, though, because I remember him as being a good goal kicker. Yeah. Didn't you? Did you just remember him as being a pretty good goal kicker, like in your head? Yeah, I did. But maybe that yeah. was because he was, like, not good stod- anything else. Like, well, he was a bit stodgy. Yeah, yeah. maybe. I, I don't know. Luke, Luke Cavell of centres in a lot of ways. In many ways, yeah. But um, mm. I just think, knowing what we know now, mm. like, they sort of had another goal kicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... Thurston ended up hitting him all right over his career. I yeah, I don't know. I just think given he did, that he was... did miss a fairly key one in a grand final. That's true. You forget Thurston. that. <laughs> his biggest, he did miss his, big, his yeah. biggest, the biggest kick of his career. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but... I think he'd have kicked this one. I, I just... Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like yeah. a below average kicker having a below average season. I don't know if Thurston... Maybe he wasn't kicking at this point in his career. Maybe he didn't practice. I don't know. But it just struck me as odd. And he misses. Yeah. Well, and they he can't has win. to hit this. It's not yeah. that wide. Just, just to give it to the viewers, um, to the viewers, listeners, um, Matt Singh does come a fair way round. He scores untouched and brings it in from the sideline. He doesn't score on the wing. He brings it a reasonable way in. And, and yeah, Hannay has to kick this to make it a six-point game with a minute and a half to go. And he just yeah. doesn't. He just misses. And that, and that means that they can't win. And the Tigers players know it because they go berserk on the sideline. Uh, it's a funny first, thing, isn't it? Like they're, 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 they're cheer- the Tigers know it's one. Like the time they start cheering and whooping and hugging and Tim Sheens comes down to hug the players, it's yeah. like the opposition missing a goal off a of scoring a try. It is, it is odd, that, isn't it? Yeah, um, like that's the moment of pure joy. Yeah, is because the, the Cowboys have scored, but they haven't converted. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that myself. Now, Thurston did kick a bit in 2005. Let's see how he did. He kicked... 28 from 36 for a 78% record. Mm, it's an odd mm. one. He kicked 78% the next year. Mm. Um, so they, they booted Hannay after this one. Uh, they, yeah, it looks like they might have done. He kicked 63 times in 2006, yeah. Hannay, what, what, have you got his record there from the Gaimi Gorillas, though? Yeah, that's true. I don't know how many Hannay put over for the Gorillas. Um, mm. That's a very interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me have a look at what Hannay... Oh, yeah, so Hannay was still... Uh, so he kicked eight from 15 in 2006. So they, after this, yeah. uh, very much after the horse had bolted, they gave Thurston the duty full-time. Yeah, um, yeah a, little bit, a little bit too late, you'd have to say. Not to bag Josh yeah. Hannay. He was it's a perfectly good player, but I just, it just struck me as an odd call. Um, yeah. And then a beautiful thing happens in the last minute of this game. The Tigers get the ball back. Uh, the cow's hoiking it around desperately. And Paul Fatawira, about to win his second premiership in three years, Paul Marquette style, breaks away. Playing Penrith and the Tigers. Too. Yeah, it's a very odd, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Two clubs that, correct me if I'm wrong here, haven't even been in one sort of 10 years either side of this. I just think if you played over a four-year stretch, you played for for West Tigers and Penrith, you'd be mm. like long odds to win two premierships. I think that's probably right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yet, uh, and he makes a break from, from dummy half. It's a beautiful thing. For just a second, I thought he was going to outpace Matt Bowen. And, I, <laughs> and that would have really been the icing on the cake for this game, I think. Yeah. But, but he is dragged down. And then Brett Hodgson, with the kind of innovation that this nation was built on, gets it with 30 seconds to go in the grand final in front by eight. 
and puts a grubber in. <laughs> Why? Got eyes up footy, baby. He's a great yeah. player, Brett Hodgson. He was a great player. He has a really good game too in, in his mm. best ever season. He grubbers it in behind the line and uh, two West Tigers players come steaming onto it and it's Todd Payton uh, who grounds it the half in the prop's body as he would come to be known. And, uh, and Rabs christens the moment with, oh, the big hombres. <laughs> <laughs> which, really got me going, <laughs> which which somebody mentioned we, we we put up a question through the week what do you remember of this game and somebody just wrote the big hombres and it didn't make sense <laughs> to me at the time but now it does it's good that it's really really good it's a wonderful it's, it, it sums up the madness of this game right yeah well you, you talked about their try list scorers and we've now got like Todd Payton uh, capping off Fitzhenry LaFranchi Bryce Gibbs <laughs> Yeah. It's just, it's too much. Pat Richard, Pat Richard was a good player, but like, otherwise this is a lot of people scoring tries that I don't think featured in the top 10 try scorers for the season for that club. <laughs> no, no, that's right. You know, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. I, I might share with you a few comments from people who we, we put the question up through the week. What do you remember mm-hmm. about the 05 grand final? A uh, friend of the show, Ewan says, I sat in the corner where Pat Richard scored. We'll never forget. God, can you imagine? Can you imagine no. being, being in that corner, watching him come and throw Rod Jensen. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, very gracious from a friend of the show, Frank, who's a Cowboys supporter. He says, I was there. I was disappointed, but also amazed by the flick pass that happened right in front of me. It takes a certain amount of humility, you know. Like, it'd be like me and you saying, yeah, I mean, I was disappointed, but the, the inter- Freddie's intercept, it was pretty good, you'd have to admit. Like, there's just no way. No, I wouldn't admit that at all. No, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, Mardo says, if you're doing an episode on the 2005 Grand Final, can you please give a shout-out to me, Tigers fan, and my mate Pete, Cowboys fan. Happy, happy to oblige. That bit, of, that, bit of, that bit of bullying. Good on you, mate. Um, <laughs> uh, Paul, someone says, Smarge says, Paul Bowman's brain snap, or Pat Richards coming back from the dead uh, to make the field. Luke, Luke, Fire the chamber. Luke with the Tiger, as his profile picture shows good values. This is Scott Prince schooling Thurston. Which is good, and I'm totally on board with that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's one view. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Scott says, I remember missing out on a potential fortune because I backed the Cowboys at eighty to one. So presumably, presumably he means Pre-season. at the start of the season. Jesus wept. Mm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine backing someone at eighty to one, and they get yeah. to the grand final, and a, like it's eighteen, twelve, or twenty to go. I had the gun out midweek at Benji Marshall, like taking pot shots. You know? like, oh yeah, you yeah, have to. Yeah, yeah. someone yeah. is very. I wonder, wonder what he saw in them. What did he see? Like I know they had a good year before, but like it's a big call. I guess they had a good run, but it's a really big them. eyes up. But it's a, I know they did, but they just I don't think anyone thought they were going to do it again. Like there's no. always a team that makes the prelim, and they didn't. You know, you know, like I, it's a great call. I just mean I mean it from a wondrous point of view. He's a very astute punter. Yeah. I just don't think I many know. people would have been on him, you know? Yes, this. I know a bloke who called mm. Penrith to win the comp the year they won it. Early seat, like just... in about round two. No, no, Penrith, mate. Get on him. And yeah, I said, you're mad. They come last the year before. Said, you're off your head. Yeah. And yeah, he just called it straight up. The men's... Yeah, been, yeah, yeah. freakish. Yeah, um, wonderful. A friend of the show, Lee, says, at halftime... <laughs> get this. Again, I... At halftime, I thought we had a blackout but my uncle turned the power outside. Turned off the power outside to freak me out. 
<laughs> that's really but really poor. I Isn't it? That's yeah, really no, rough. From, nah, I'd be emancipation from that. It's, you can't Lee, be, it's not funny. That's not you gotta, funny. You've got to have words to your uncle. I would never yeah, have something funny. like that. That that ruins, yeah. I'd punch on, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, I just, mm. I appreciate yeah, people yeah. who get in touch and share those memories. It's a beautiful thing because the, mm. there's one thing that can bring people together in these troubled times. It's kind of niche memories of football. Oh, absolutely. I have a very important question for you. Yes. Um, I, you now worry me because you missed Nat Bass. Did you manage to get the post game on this? I got a bit of it, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Can I just share one more thing with you about yeah. people's reactions sure to this game? I, it's just a bit topical at the moment. I, the, the North Queensland Cowboys, someone put a post up in the North Queensland Cowboys fan group saying, mm. Benji's off contract. Wouldn't he, Do you think we should get him in? He'd be good to mentor Clifford and drink water. Mm. And, and, and someone has written back, no, I'll never forgive him. <laughs> never forgive yeah, that's him. more in keeping with us. That's more in said, keeping with us. No, never forget. <laughs> I was like, oh, fair enough. Like it was sort of 15 years ago. <laughs> no, I think that's more in keeping with where my attitude yeah, might away. Quite good. Um, sorry, we, we have to talk about the post game for a number of reasons. This is by far, this is by far the most famous lap of honour in rugby league history, is it not? Like John Sattler got carted around the ground with blood gushing out of his face. And it, it isn't as iconic as what the Tigers players do as they take the lap of honour interviewed by Matthew Johns. Gazzy, share it with us. Well, I didn't get that. So you'll have to share that with me because that's mm. actually the one thing that got robbed from my footage. So I didn't get to Oh, right. It. So this mm. is the thing. So your, your one has cut that out completely. The one that I watched, which was also posted by the NRL, but on YouTube, leaves in the first one, which I had actually forgotten about. Everybody talks about Chris Hyington. Pat mm. Richards drops two. That's F-bombs. the only one I got. That's the only one I yeah, got. Yeah, right. So Pat Richards launches two and like immediately apologises for the first one and then does it again, <laughs> which I was very keen on. Yeah, the, the old, oh, fuck, sorry. That's one of the yeah, best yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So he got two away. Hyington, I think, got a fair few. There's, a, there's about yeah. three of them that end up doing it. Um, poor old Matthew Johns uh, kind of making those very awkward faces at the camera and then Rabs comes in, I remember it very well, comes in very um, very earnestly. And, oh, I just have to apologise for some of the language. <laughs> I apologise to any children watching, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, but there are other things, I, I suppose, about the, about the post-game. Um, one of them is that Tim Sheens looks completely baffled. He, he, he doesn't... <laughs> It takes him quite a long time to break into a smile. He just looks confused. Well, I felt that way too. Yeah, and I can understand that. Um, but his, in, in many ways, his greatest achievement, um, he, he kind of just looks stunned. Uh, and so does Benji. Matthew, jostle, Matthew Johns goes over and kind of jostles, thoughtfully jostles Benji away from celebrating with his teammates to interview him for Channel 9. And... He says, Benji, how do you feel? And Benji says, I, I don't know. <laughs> he says, you must be so, ha- I-, I don't know. <laughs> he's just like, he's stunned. Have you heard about from Dean Hallitow telling the story the night before Benji went and ordered a heap of Big Macs? I was talking yeah, about the Maccas. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, I think he really put it, he really had a sense of the occasion. <laughs> he just, he just, he's, he's just kind of, you know, like he's obviously, it's just all too much. <laughs> he can't, he's yeah. quite, yeah. and he eventually gets some words out and all that, but he just, just kind of, I, I, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, well, um, yeah. What else you well, got? I think, well, I think there's two very key things. And the first yes. one is, did you get the dignitaries? This is what I want yes. to know. Yes. Yeah. Got- so 
What are your thoughts on Solomon Truelio, dignitary, finally? Because Solomon Truelio shaking hands with Bluey Southern. I find good, this. This happened. Sol, yeah. yeah, Sol Trujillo, CEO of Telstra, um, finally getting his moment in the sun at the Rugby League Grand Final. And uh, I've got to tell you, the side of David Gallup, Sol Trujillo and, uh, and John Howard really captured a lot of my uh, early teens in one, in one photo because Sol Trujillo was on telly all the time as the CEO of Telstra, sort of in the way that Alan Joyce is now. Yeah. You know, Alan Joyce is always on the telly. Because Telstra was around the time they were talking about selling it and all this, he was always on the yeah. telly. He was uh, a dickhead too. Yeah, and mm. he, he turns up on the dais in a beige suit, like the cream, the mm. bone, the white, the, bo- the ivory or the beige. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was quite a rattling sight. Well, can, I, can I put something to you? Mm. Um, now, this, we on this show were obviously very anti-terrorism, um, sure. and I don't wish to encourage it. But if I'm you were, to where this is going, if you were going to engage okay. in that sort of behaviour, do you think you could have done the world quite a degree of good by going that stage at that particular moment? Like, if you're going to go, like, if you're going to go, anyone, like, I just think that we wouldn't necessarily be worse off if we had have lost Gallup from the rugby league, Trelio from the sort of business scene, and John Howard, <laughs> but yeah, really just look- killed a lot of birds with one stone. In case it's not clear, the views of Mr. Garrity do not represent those of the cemetery. Um, I look forward, Kyle Sanderlands, to your grovelling <laughs> apology through the week and, a, and an adverse yeah. finding from ACMA. But, um, but look, I've made it very clear that I, I don't. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just yeah, saying that's an important the fallout wouldn't have been made there. The fallout um, wouldn't have been huge. David Gallup, <laughs> I, I, I was one of those people who mm. found David Gallup to be very objectionable. Um, mm. And I, I, you know, history hasn't really changed my view on that. He was just typical of the kind of politician that ends up running football, um, yeah. you know, the I, kind of flaccid suit. Um, I just think that if we were going to have these dignitaries, if we we're going to have a Solomon on stage, I would have liked mm. to think it would have been Solomon Hamono rather than um, Solomon Trelio, because as far as I'm aware, Solomon Trelio, well, I don't know that he ever got it on with the pleasure machine. I've never seen it said. That's true. That's true. If he. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that for sure. But I think if you're picking souls and Solomon's mm. involved with rugby league, you're absolutely right. Mm. Maybe Solomon Hamona should have been there. Have there been any other Solomons involved with rugby league? Well, I, well that's a David Solomona, but ah, that's, that's not so, a bad shout. Yeah. That's now you're getting. I think. Well, I just think we could have made some moves. Solomon Carter. Yeah. Well, oh, fuck yeah. Well, it's hard to replace, you know, Gallup. But I would have liked to think we could have got the other John Howard on with. Oh, the, one from, the one from Blue Healers. Yep. Blue Healers. Blue Healers, John Howard on with Solomon Hamono, and that would have been a much bigger thrill when going up to you collect your grand final medal. Jeez, that's getting there, isn't it? That's a it super is. that's a um, super dais. Yeah. It is, it is. And look, lastly, I just think it just cannot go without saying, did no. you catch Scott Prince's speech? I did. So he gets up to get the Churchill and <clears throat> commences with sorry, making sorry. a couple of sorry, sorry, Gazzy, I'll stop you there. Mm. Mm. I, I'd like some. He gets up to, to get the Churchill from Joyce Churchill. Yes. Thank you. I just looking well. Looking well as well. She always yeah. looks well. But I'm not going to yeah. have. I'm not going to have mention of the Churchill Medal without the obligatory mention of Joyce yeah. up on the dais, looking well. And you know, no, no, yeah. matter, well, no matter who wins it, she always looks happy for them. She's she a delight. Did, she, did. she handled long, the occasion well. Long she always does, and long may she reign. She's yep. the. Yep. She's, she's in many ways the. In many ways, she is the queen of rugby league. She's the grand matriarch of hashtag our game. I think that's fair. Yeah, I'll go with you. that. No, humble, humble apologies remark with. Of all the remarks I've made in the last five minutes, I will withdraw that one that and one. not any yeah. others. Um, and 
Scotty Prince gets up there, makes a very mundane start to his speech saying, you know, the boys got to give us credit and the opposition didn't win and I feel sorry for them, all that sort of nonsense. And then finishes it off with a big, yeah, brah. <laughs> I think Good that. that is the best speech in modern times ever given on the right. stage. Yeah, it's I was wonderful. I, there's two that stand out in my memory. Actually, we were spoiled because the, the other one was the year before when Willie Mason uh, won the Churchill in 2004. And did Jeff Fennick. I love you all. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, and so Scotty Prince, that was a real golden age for, for Churchill Medal mm. speeches. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. But you're right. I did make a note of that. And, uh, and Scotty, you know, he contributed much to the game. And that was just a, that was just mm. a feather. Mm. Uh, we, should, we, should, should we talk a little bit about... Um, should we talk a little? You, you, I think you want to do a bit of historical revisionism on Scott Prince. I know we've talked about him a bit already, but um, yeah. I know you've done a lot of work, and I want to let you get it out of your system because I'm going to end up hearing it one way or the other, and we yeah. may as well like so we may as well record it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Look, I'd like to finish uh, my part for the week by talking about Scott Prince as being underrated by history. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start off with a proposition for you. I'm going to Hit suggest me. to you that if he was playing now, he not only would be the best halfback in the comp, he'd possibly be the best player in the comp, and it wouldn't be all that close in terms mm-hmm. of playmakers. I think if he was that. playing in a playmaking role, I mean, Tedesco and, and that are phenomenal, but in a playmaking role, 6-7 um, or even 9, I don't think it would be particularly close. He's a phenomenal footballer and I don't think anyone now would have the influence that he had at his peak. Um, yep. you know, Cameron Smith's still playing, but you know, he's sort of a fair way on in things. I think Scott Prince would be the standout by a long way. I think Pierce and Cherry Evans and those guys would be completely left in his dust. To be honest yep. with you, I don't think not um, Nathan Cleary's coming along pretty well and showing a lot of signs, but not not anything like this level. Um, and I suppose I just think history... Look, it's one of those things. When you say, oh, this guy got a bit unlucky because there's another great player, I, I get that there's always great players. That you never get your run at a rep job for 15 years because there's always someone else, you know? But yeah. I just think he's particularly unlucky. And I'd like you to let me run you I, through are, the circumstances really... of his rep career and then talk a little bit about his club record. So Hit me. Played 300 NRL games, five origins, one series win, um, and four tests. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it's not exactly a career to sneeze at. But look, in, in 2005, um, Queensland hadn't won a series since 2001. They drew it in 2002 and then lost three in a row. Um, so this was the time where Queensland Origin, people will forget, was really on its knees a little bit. Like they, they were struggling. Um, in 2005, they picked Thurston. Yep. And Thurston got, got you know, shit game by Joey, basically. Um, that Joey come back games two or three and they belted him off the, the planet and, and they, they got a better. And the reason I mention that is not to get a gratuitous Joey mention in. What I want to paint the picture is, is that da- the Dalian medal was won by, by Thurston for player of the year, but they lost origin to, to New South Wales and Andrew Johns. So at the start of 2006, what you actually have as a situation here is that Queensland have won one series since 2001. They're, they've been lost three in a row and they're right on the back foot. Thurston mm-hmm. was beaten the year before and Scott Prince has just won the Churchill. Yep. So when you get round to picking origin the next year, and yes, we, I agree, it was dumb to be talking about it during the grand final, but the situation at the start of Queensland's run of dominance is that they basically have to make a selection between Thurston or Prince. And I don't think you could have really pegged either of them as being a wrong call is that Thurston had been the player of the year, the year before and made a grand final. Scott Prince had been the player of the grand final, won the grand final, done everything that Thurston had had to that point. And there was a very open question at this point as to who was 
a better player. Now, it, mm. I mean, I don't think they were wrong in the end. I think Thurston is a better player than Scott Prince, but there was an open question at that time as to, because they were both excellent players. Prince was a little bit older, um, had had some injuries and stuff and finally got a good run of games. And ultimately Prince isn't picked and Thurston is. Um, that's probably the first point is that, he easily could have been the halfback for like the 11 in a row. <laughs> like, yeah. and, 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 you know, I want to be very cautious here because Thurston's an immortal. And as I've said, just then he was instrumental in them winning some of the early ones, particularly like he played uh, defining roles in those games. But yeah. Scott Prince was also an exceptional player. Um, he won the last, this grand final in the last 20 minutes. So he certainly had it in him to, to have those sorts of games on the big stage as well. And he sort of also would have had Darren Lockyer, Cameron Smith and Billy Slater. And that spine is so good that you could almost remove one of them. And it wouldn't like, if you removed Lockyer and put Prince in, they did that one year and they won with Thurston and Prince. And what I'm suggesting is if you removed Slater and brought someone in, they still could have probably won with Lockyer, Thurston and, Smith, and if you remove Thurston and put Prince in, they probably still win. Like with Smith, the drop from Thurston to Smith isn't that significant. That you know, like sorry, from Thurston to Prince isn't as significant enough that they wouldn't have still won when they have Smith and they have Slater and they have Lockyer. So I, I suppose by a quirk of history, they had to make this choice at a time where it was a very open question. You could have sat in a room and said, no, nah, no, nah, Scott Prince, mate, he just outplayed him in the grand final. He's won a comp. He's a little bit older. Thurston got beat the year before. Like, we've got to go with Prince. And, you know, we've got to win this series. We've lost three in a row. This isn't future planning time. We can't just go with Thurston because he's a little bit younger. Um, there would have been a really tough question for them to decide. They go with Thurston and Prince pretty much doesn't have an origin career from then on. As I said, he comes in in 2008 for games two or three with Lockyer out. He plays halfback and Thurston plays 5-8 and they, they win the series. So when he came in there and he replaced an incredibly important part, Darren Lockyer, one of the you know, greatest players of all time, they still win, you know. Um, so he could have been in that spine and, and had that career and, and have that reputation that those guys have. Um, and I also make the point that even though a lot of players are unlucky and have, I don't know that anyone's ever missed out because of Thurston and Lockyer at the same time. That's quite a, a substantial, there's only four or five players at five, eight ever as good as Darren Lockyer. And there's possibly about maybe only one other player ever as good as Thurston and halfback. So he sort of had all these options and Thurston can play five, eight, but Darren Lockyer was there. So you get in this real pinned out spot where he just couldn't get through. And by the time Lockyer retires, Cooper Cronk is in the peak of his career and, and Scott Prince has just lost a yard of pace. And you saw Scott Prince, Scott Prince was still excellent until the day he died, but um, football wise, but, um, but you know, not to make anyone alarmed, but in his last few years, when he was this big show and go game in that pace, if he just lost that yard, by the time the space opened, he was just 90% of Scott Prince and Cooper Cronk was a hundred percent of Cooper Cronk, you know, and yeah. winning competitions in the, the cheating side and playing with Smith and Slater and these guys. So he just, he just played his best football at a time where there wasn't an opening or there was a slight opening for him and he didn't get it. Um, and he just never got that chance to have that rep career. And I suppose one thing I left out there is the pre Thurston era, but he broke, he had severe broken legs multiple times and they had no halfback. Like they played Berrigan's there. They played, um, Flannery at five eight and these sorts of things in these years yeah. leading up, where they had no halfback and he went through these broken legs and didn't really get his chance. And then when he just was peaking off this grand final and peaking, Thurston had burst on and was everything that we saw in this game. And he just because of that, he just never got 
the rep career that he deserved. He's a guy that should have played 15, 20, 25 origins and, and 20 test matches. And he would have got past anyone New South Wales played at that time. He would have played 30 for New South Wales. And I suppose having covered his rep career, I, I just, I suppose want to mention his club career. I think there's two elements to it. I think out of sight, out of mind's a thing. I think he, he, he played at the Cowboys to start off. Then he moved to the Broncos, but barely played with broken legs. Um, I will point out Wayne released him after a series of broken legs. And in, you know, the next season is playing, um, or this season is playing Brett Seymour at halfback. And in the grand final is playing Shane Perry. So good one, Wayne. Good thing you released Sprinty. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm sure it wouldn't have done you any good there. But, um, you know, that, that aside, uh, he plays most of his best football at the Tigers and Titans. So they're out of sight, out of club minds, which I think also contributes. They're not big clubs in a, in a, in a big way. Um, but there's a flip side to that. And that's what needs to be taken into account. He won a comp with the West Tigers. Let that rattle around for you for a second and half back. Yeah. So it's not, you know, when you talk about great players and you and I always love a great player who carries someone and, that's why we love Joey. It's why we, we love, I love Thurston is that the Cowboys, we've talked about their junk record and this guy came in a year ago, you know, I'm going to make grand finals. I'm going to win comps. I'm going to be, we're going to be good every year and that sort of thing. And Princey another one for that, you know, like he was there a shorter time, but he won a comp with the West Tigers. People don't win comps with the West Tigers. No. And he did that. He was the best player in, on the field by a substantial margin. Um, and then he goes to the Titans and, he takes the Titans. Now, they start off cold. They come 12th and 13th. But let's be frank. You start it up. A, not many clubs start up well. Um, no. You know. And, but he then, with, by his third year at an expansion new club in a dead market that never works for the fourth attempt at naming a team in, in the Gold Coast, uh, he got them to third and fourth in yeah. 2009 and 2010. So they've never come there again or before. Like the only time they ever got anywhere was they finished in the top four for two years in a row with Scott Prince. And he made a prelim in one of those years. He took them as close as you can get without making a grand final. So his career is punctuated by a lot of broken legs early on, missing a chance at rep level there, winning a competition with a team that does not win competitions ever going to a new market side in Queensland that is just set up to fail, that the Gold Coast does not work in rugby league and it never will. And he goes there and is able to take them to -to back-to-back top four finishes in his prime as a captain and to a preliminary final. And I just think when you're sitting down in a room and we start saying, John Thurston, Stuart, Daly, sorry, not Daly, like like, um, Sterling, Mortimer, Brett Kamali and these sorts of guys, I think Scott Prince gets left off the list and he is a great Great, great halfback. That, that's beautifully put together. You've made the cases. You, you, you really are. Um, you're robbing us all uh, by not going to the bar, Gazzy, with that kind of with formulating an argument, and making submissions in that kind of detail, and with, and with such such clarity and force. Um, you are, of course, right. <clears throat> and I'm going to give you one last bit. If people have listened to this episode and they've watched this game back and they're still not in love with Scott Prince, I put this to you, my learned colleagues. This very year, at the age of 40, Scott Prince has made a football comeback with the Fortitude Valley diehards in the Brisbane Rugby League A-grade competition and they're currently equal top of the table with a plus 172 points difference. Oh, yeah. Two things, two things. So on that... It is one of the great, whilst that is great, it was one of the great crimes that that's happened in COVID season because you and I would have gone. Oh, we'd be up. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, we'd have gone. We'd have yeah. gone. Like, 
club members, all of that. Secondly, you start by, if you're still not convinced or still not in love with Scott Prince after watching this game and, and this podcast, go and see your mental health specialist, if that's the case. <laughs> something wrong with you. You need to be checked out. If you don't love Scott, if you go watch that game and don't love Scott Prince at the end of it, you, you need mental health intervention. I just something found, like I, right upstairs. I'll put, a, I'll put a clip up on the Facebook page. I just found a video that the BRL have posted of him banana kicking back against the grain to set up a try. <laughs> it's just a beautiful oh, thing. Yeah. How do, you reckon the, how, how do you reckon the big double triple unders is going across the field these days, Scotty, in his mid-40s? Oh, pretty handy, you'd have to say. Still skipping to the mm. outside. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably right. Um, yeah, no, I'm glad that you've that you've made that case so comprehensively, Gazzy, um, and, and been willing to put in the yards. Uh, is, is there anything else that we need to cover other than to say that this is a wonderful grand final that we should cherish and that we that you very rarely get a you very rarely get two teams like this making it to to the uh, big dance Nah, there's not much else to say i think we've said it all benji forever scott prince forever thurston forever have all of it it was wonderful matt bowen throw him in it was just wonderful i loved yeah. it <laughs> until next time on the rugby league cemetery morgan campbell and luke gabby signing off Put him on his back. Thurston, right foot kick down the ground into the end goal almost. Hodgson cuts it off. Hodgson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Johnson away. Pat Richards. Pat Richards has scored. A magnificent try. Length of the field stuff. Oh, that is one of the great grand final tries.